1: This very special bonus episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore is brought to you by our generous listener supporters on Patreon and PayPal. If you appreciate what we do and would like to join them, go to dollamore.com slash PayPal or dollamore.com slash Patreon. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, welcome to the show, this very special bonus episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, unfortunately for some, Jesse Dollamore. And fortunately for some, my co-host is also here, Brittany Page. Hello. Hello? Yeah. Really bringing your A game.
2: (laughs) Well, it's early. (laughs) It's early in the morning.
1: That's right. We also have an in-studio guest. We do. It's becoming more frequent. It is. Congressional candidate for our very own congressional district, Mm -hmm. the 48th District of California, which is currently ruled over by Dana Rohrbacker. Yes. Harley Ruda. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. We are... I'm I'm a little... Uh, I don't know how to get into it. The seat in which you sit, we've had doctors, and I know you're a lawyer too, but doctors, lawyers, Hollywood knuckleheads, and you are eh, maybe our first
3: going to be congressman, so... That's the plan, absolutely. We are going to win in November 2018.
1: I want to get into this right away about, uh, about Dana Rohrabacher... I'm thrown off here because we've got, apparently, a construction zone yeah. outside the window.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I thought that banging was your adoring fans Th- trying to that, get into the
1: studio. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> it wouldn't be the fans. It would be all the, uh, the death threats yes. and the haters. Yes. Which this last week has been actually ticked up quite a bit. It's great. Yeah. We, we appreciate it. Any publicity and attention is good publicity and attention. Is it? Oh, well, maybe not the death threats. <laughs> so uh, Dana Rohrabacher. First, I I, I want to uh, commend you on running against him because I think the guy is. He's served its time. I mean, it's going to be 30 years he's been in Congress and it, I'm not a term limits guy, per se. Well, not at all. But uh, Dana Rohrabacher has he's done more damage than he has done good. He may have been had some noble enterprise when he first started, but that is no longer the case. Uh, First, I want to talk about the troubling ties that he has to Russia, which is unique to our situation here in California. I don't think every congressman across the country has his deeply rooted ties. There are stories about him arm wrestling Vladimir Putin when Vladimir Putin was the deputy mayor of St. Petersburg. Mm -hmm. And he he acts like he's fought the tyranny of the Soviet Union his entire life.
3: But he's 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 a little tight. He's very tight with Russia. And that is one of the big questions as to why is he so tight with Russia? In fact, he's even been chided by his fellow congressman about being on the payroll of the Kremlin with Trump. Uh, inside joke, as it was portrayed by, uh, by Kevin McCarthy. But the reality is that every inside joke has an element of truth to it. Right. Otherwise, it's not an inside joke. That's right. It's just like, hey, why did that guy say that? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Rather than, oh yeah, ha ha ha. Right. Which we played the clip on the show with Paul Ryan in the room when they said that uh Donald Trump's in the pocket of Putin.
0: Yeah.
3: That's
1: that's not the kind of guy you want to have representing you in the and the good people of Orange County.
3: That's exactly true, and and you know Dana Rohrabacher tries to make the case that today's Russia is different than yesterday's Soviet Union, and I would suggest that's not the case. You still have a dictator, a member of the previous KGB who is running the country, Putin, you have human rights violations, you have an aggressive right. government who has taken over other countries. So for me to come to the conclusion that this Russia is different than the past Soviet Union is is not true at all. Dana Warbacher is completely misplaced and misleading his constituents and, and the rest of the country.
1: Well, to that point, I have a clip here I want to play. Uh, it is Dana on with Aaron Burnett on CNN, and she is... Leading out of or coming out of conversation with him about the entire Trump fiasco and their connections to Russia, him denying, denying, denying. And then she pivots and starts talking about Dana Rohrabacher's own relationships, own meetings, own allegations and suspicions of the FBI that the Russians were trying to turn him to be an unwitting or winning accomplice in their endeavors
4: this congressman i want to ask you something uh, about about your knowledge of russia okay you've had a lot of contact with russians this is something that you have been very open about uh back in the 90s you met uh then uh, deputy mayor vladimir putin you said you arm wrestled him in a bar that's a lighter one but of course last year you met privately with a russian confidant blacklisted by the treasury department in april you met with an alleged former soviet spy you've been vocal in your opposition to sanctions on russia when
5: was that hold on when did i meet with that alleged soviet spy
4: that was in April. That was ten.
5: No, no, that was ten years ago. <laughs> okay, that okay. was ten years ago. I was warned by the FBI that one of the guys I, I talked to mm-hmm. was a Soviet intelligence guy, and I treat everybody from the Russian embassy, okay. everybody from all the other. Embassies, so I just want to be clear: our reporting, it was our officers. reporting,
4: Congressman, uh, is that was in April yeah. 2017. Okay. So I, I can just go on on our reporting, but uh, let me ask no, you the question: No, that's when you
5: reported it. It happened ten years before that.
4: Okay. In the, the New York Times is reporting that the FBI warned you, as you point out, they're saying the FBI warned you in 2012 that right. Russian spies were trying to report, recruit you specifically, yeah. Congressman. You've obviously strongly denied yeah. spying for Russia. That was
5: five years ago, and then there was one okay. ten years ago as so well. So,
4: were you, Congressman Warbacker, aware that they tried to recruit you?
5: I was aware that when people, uh, whatever embassy is talking to me, especially the Russian embassy, they are trying to do the job of their government, which is, which intelligence, and you assume they are intelligence people. All of us do that. That's why there are so many meetings, and you're ignoring all the meetings that Hillary and all the other guys went through, even when there was (laughs) money being transferred, but now you want to focus on that. Okay. Uh, Yes. The answer is I'm always aware that anybody from the Russian embassy is probably involved in intelligence. And
4: I would imagine part of the reason you're aware of that is because you are a sophisticated Washington player. You have worked there for a long time. You worked for Reagan. You've been in Congress for nearly 30 years, Congressman. Right. So you understand. I was a
5: special. I was a special assistant to the president. I actually fought Russians in Afghanistan. I have been engaged in the fight against the Soviet aggression all of my life. So so okay, from the time I was a teenager.
4: Right. And I'm and I'm saying you're a sophisticated player. So you may know yes, how I'm, to avoid becoming okay. an unwitting spy. Right. And you're obviously aware that in his testimony, the former CIA director, John Brennan, recently said people can become witting or unwitting spies for Russia. So you're aware of the risks when you had all of these meetings. So a lot of uncomfortable laughter.
1: Yeah. Well, it's also I think he's, he's a little casual. Yeah, About the entire thing when the allegation here is that he was approached. And by the way, just for the benefit of the audience, he's lying when he said it was 10 years ago.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: This was just recently. He was in Germany on a fact-finding mission about legalization of marijuana. And he met with a guy who, and this is where it gets really murky. And it almost, again, it's in the land of Trump, and the world of Trump, everything seems like that. That's a little too goddamn convenient. we This this would be a ridiculous premise for a movie. But the guy that he met with works for the organization that Natalia Veselnitskaya, N- N- whatever her name is, the one that just met with Donald Trump Jr.,
5: mm-hmm.
1: he works for her organization trying to lift sanctions on Russia. So there's a – it's a, a woven tapestry mm-hmm. of collusion here. And I don't know – how deep he goes with Trump, um, Rohrbacher, but it's certainly problematic that he has this close of ties with problematic Russians.
3: Absolutely, there. You know, to set the record straight, uh, Aaron did misspeak a little bit in that interview because in April 17 was when the story was released that he was warned by the FBI in 2012. Now, fact is, since 2012. On numerous occasions and occasions that are still being revealed. He has met with Russian operatives, people connected to the Russian government, and has continued to fight for an agenda supportive of Russian issues and their goals. And it still remains the big question, why? There is some light being shed on that now. There was a suit filed recently uh, with the uh, Federal Elections Commission uh, against him and Royce for contributions they had received from Manafort. Yes, that Manafort. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the same Manafort that was receiving, I believe, $17 million from a Ukrainian political party directly tied to Putin and Russia. And shortly after meeting with them, Rohrbacher received uh, two $1,000 payments, I believe is what the complaint states. Wow. Mm. That's, that's troubling.
1: Yeah. For sure, this is our congressman. <laughs> I, I mean, there, to say he's in bed, I think I don't think it's given it credit.
3: Well, the most interesting thing about this to me is that your job as a congressperson is to represent the best interest of your constituents, both in local matters that pertain to uh, federal needs, i.e. bringing back federal tax dollars to help your district, and second, carrying that message as to what's important to them on the national and international stage. And nowhere do I see in the 48th District people uh, demanding that we have a stronger relationship with Russia, that Rohrbacher spend the vast amount of his... Time trying to establish better relations with Russia. That is not high on the list. In fact, I'm not even sure it made the list. Right.
1: Well, his priorities are clearly out of whack. I- I'm gonna play one more thing about Rohrabacher, and they wanna get on to you because you're here and you're running against him, and we I'm supporting your candidacy. So thank you. But I want but I want it on the- I want it on the record just how troubling this guy is. I'm gonna play this clip. This is him before his committee talking about how we should be supporting ISIS in their terrorist attacks against Iran. This is in committee testimony.
5: Uh, we have recently seen an attack uh, on uh, Iran and the Iranian government. The Mullahs uh, believe that Sunni uh, forces have attacked them. Uh, this- I'm going to pause the clip because I want to put this in full context. This isn't Sunni
1: forces attacking Tehran. This is ISIL. This is the Islamic State, the terror organization that puts men in cages and lights them on fire, the terrorist organization that videos people being beheaded. It's not the Sunni forces.
5: This may signal uh, a uh, ratcheting up uh, of certain commitments uh, by the United States of America, and as far as I'm concerned, I just want to make make this point and see what you think. Isn't it a good thing for us to have uh, uh, the United States finally backing up Sunnis who will attack Hezbollah and the Shiite threat to us? Isn't that a good thing? And if so, maybe this is a Trump. Uh, maybe it's a a Trump strategy. Of actually supporting uh, one group against another, considering that you have two terrorist uh, organizations
1: so he is he is postulating to the men uh, before whom he's or he's asking questions to people who are testifying before the committee, and he is suggesting that we support ISIL in whatever context i don 't know whether it be uh, material support or otherwise in their terrorist attacks against a problematic but sovereign nation. And we're talking about attack on civilians, not just government entities where, you know, mullahs get killed,
3: but people. In a long list of stupid, crazy things that Dana Rohrbacher has said over the years, uh, this may be the craziest, stupidest thing he's ever said. It took him four days to issue a retraction and it was arguably not even a retraction it was more uh an opportunity on his part to try and further justify uh, why he said what he said and he and he tried to equate this that uh, we we worked with stalin in world war ii uh to defeat germany and and therefore <laughs> wow. that there's some sort of correlation here listen isis is a uh, terrorist organization uh, period And to suggest that the United States supports their activity against any country, anywhere, civilians or otherwise, is completely asinine. This goes to prove why Dana Rohrabacher and just about any politician shouldn't be in office at the same place for 30 years because they have lost touch with reality.
2: Right. And he can't even issue a full retraction about that. That's problematic. But he also has that in common with Trump. Right. Not apologizing for any mistake that he makes. And I think that's what the issue is here with him being in Congress for 30 years is he almost feels untouchable at this point, right? He can do whatever he wants yeah, sure. and he's going to be there.
1: Well, listen, I think there's a certain level of self-actualization that has to be maintained to be able to admit when you were wrong. Trump clearly doesn't have it and Rohrbacker doesn't have it. It also takes a little bit of courage because this is a guy who's not meeting his his obligation by way of his constituency. There's all kinds of videos out there. If you just go to YouTube and type in, you know, Dick Dana Rohrbach or whatever of him being <laughs> aggressive yeah. to people who just have legitimate, earnest grievances right. and concerns about the way he's representing them. And he is um, to say flip it would be would be not putting it fair enough. It's he's really aggressive and disrespectful. Right. So that's not going to be your style, I'm assuming.
3: No, as much as Dana (laughs) Rohrabacher gives us plenty of uh, reason to talk about why he is not well suited for uh, continuing in this position, I think more importantly, we need to focus on uh, how we can do better for the constituents of the 48th district and uh, elevate uh, uh, their well-being and push an agenda forward that is right for not just them, but the citizens of the United States.
1: Well, part of that I think is the hot button topic right now. I mean, we're we're hearing about uh Mitch McConnell just just today talking about releasing a an amended bill that is going to allow insurance companies to offer bare bones policies. Um where specifically do you stand on on healthcare?
3: Well, healthcare is a huge topic and uh, when I go around and speak to folks around the district, I like to give them a little bit of background on healthcare and When you look at the world as a whole, there's roughly 200 countries. And of those 200 countries, uh, 40 of them are considered industrialized developed countries. And of those 40 industrialized developed countries, 39 of them have universal health (laughs) care. Only one developed country in the world doesn't have universal health care. Guess who? The United States of America. Of those 200 countries, they typically follow one of four different uh, insurance uh, uh, programs uh, one is called the beverage model and it was started in England and it is where the government owns the hospitals and the nurses and the doctors and the staff are employees of the government and there's numerous countries around the world that follow that model a uh, second model is the Bismarck model it was started in Germany and that is the employer employee model that funds insurance for folks which is very similar to what we have here in the United States with two key differences. In Germany and the other countries that follow it, uh, the employer-employee taxing is the funding mechanism for everyone's insurance, not just the employees and their families, but everybody in the country. And second, the insurance companies are nonprofits. The third model is the national model, and that's typically associated with Canada being the, uh, the leading country that has that. But in, in addition to Canada, there are numerous other countries within those 39 that follow the national model as well. And then there's a fourth model, and the fourth model is basically no model at all. That is yeah. where people have no insurance, and they either pay for their, ins- uh, their medical needs when they incur them, or they barter for it, or frankly, they simply go without medical attention. The irony of all of this is that the United States actually practices all four models. Yeah. And which is a, a reason why it's so screwed up here. So you've got the Veterans Administration and Affairs, which is exactly what the beverage model is uh, in, in England and the other countries that follow it. The government owns the hospitals and the nurses and doctors and the staff work for the government.
2: Jesse knows that well. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. yeah. And, and then we've got the, uh, the Bismarck model, the employer-employee model that covers quite a few people in the United States. We also have the Canadian model. The Canadian model, the national model, is exactly what Medicare and Medicaid is. Yeah. And unfortunately, we also have the fourth model, which is no insurance at all for 30 million Americans. And it's because of this inefficiency, because the fact that we run four different systems, the fact uh, that we don't have a clear national identity on how to provide Health insurance, universal health care for our citizens. It's why we spend between 18 and 19% of GDP on health care versus half that on average for the other 39 countries, developed countries, who have universal health care. This is the number one cause. The inability to pay your medical bills is the number one cause of personal bankruptcy in the United States. Because of these factors, this should not be a Republican or Democrat debate. Anytime you're spending 18, 19 percent of GDP, twice what other civilized countries, developed countries are spending, should... Be a wake-up call to everyone that there's got to be a better way than what we're doing. And while Obamacare was a step in the right direction, it has to keep going towards that where we have universal health care and a single-payer system for all Americans.
1: I'm I'm very um, excited to hear you say that. Um, uh, my previous life as a, a conservative, as a Republican, and you know me still having romantic ideas about libertarianism, notwithstanding. Uh, it is the only way to get things done. Relative to healthcare, it is. Listen, when our founders talked about the the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, how can you have the right to life if you don't have the right to protect that life, preserve that life, and to be healthy? It, it just it, it is a basic human right. Healthcare,
3: absolutely, it's right up there with security and safety, um, and securing our country. Uh, I would put healthcare up there with it as well as education.
1: Well, the reason I'm so excited to hear you say it is because it, it is, even among Democrats, some weird, even, look, Diane Feinstein, Nancy Pelosi, and I'm not going to ask you to speak ill of of your party leaders, but uh, they even shirk from a full-throated endorsement of the idea.
2: Saying Americans aren't ready for it yet.
1: Yeah, and that's the job of leadership. If they don't feel Americans are ready for it, lead. Lead Americas to it.
3: I, I agree. Part of the reason we have this bastardized health care system in the United States is because we've been putting Band-Aids on it uh, year after year, decade after decade. And at some point, we have to stand up and realize for the greater good and for the economy and for business, we have to have universal health care for all.
1: Yeah, that's it's good to hear you say that. Um, let me give one one uh, more Dana Rohrbacker uh anecdote um is
2: this your experience it is
1: my experience yeah and um i went into his office i was having a problem with the va and it was one of those last resorts where i was at the end of my freaking rope i figured let's i'm gonna go to my congressman that guy will help me and if anybody's gonna help me it's gonna be daner Warbacker, friend of the veteran so we went up to the office he wasn't there. You know, you deal with legislative aides. His district director was up there. Yeah. Some nice, seemingly very respectful lady with a thick Irish accent. I don't know if you know who she is. Uh, I don't want to name names. So, but I just deadpan. Many people like that her. that
2: work there. Right?
1: Yeah. So we go in. I explain the problem. Oh, yeah. We're going to take care of this for you. We Go to leave. They gave me numbers, name, whatever. And she clutches my hand. Grabs my arm. And shakes my hand and looks deep into my eyes and earnestly promises me to help, thanking me for my service to the country.
2: It, for like it went, a longer amount of time it than it went is on. Necessary. I, I
1: think the handshake probably went on for forty-five seconds. And in the span of a handshake with a deep look in the eyes of gratitude and thanks,
2: it was an intimate moment.
1: It was. It was uncomfortable for me. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, oh yeah, thank you. You know, I, I want to be. Yeah, I served in the Marine Corps. You know, I'm nobody special. Thank you very much. And that's it. She, she said, no, no. I really want to thank you. I felt I left there thinking, holy shit, they're going to solve this problem for me. They're they're, They're going to show up. Yeah. For veterans. They didn't do anything.
2: No calls back.
1: They were unreachable after that. Yeah. So. There are problems within our VA. There are problems within every government institution. Yeah. But when I went to, to Dana Rohrabacher, they dropped the ball. Yeah. After this protracted, weird, uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to explain well, it. Well,
2: You're describing it well. I mean, yeah.
1: As uncomfortable as my delivery is right here. Yes. Audience. That's how uncomfortable it was exactly. for me exactly. So it, it's nice having a guy first of all who understands the system, right? But we gotta get—we just gotta get rid of Dana.
3: Yeah, it's uh, one of the biggest complaints I hear about Dana is not the awkward long handshakes by his staff, <laughs> but uh, uh, but uh, he's inaccessible. Uh, He will not have town hall meetings. Uh, He has done phone call-ins where people are screened and given codes to call in. But he's not accessible. He'll only meet with people who share his viewpoints and give him the feedback he wants to hear. And that is not the job of a congressperson. A congressperson needs to interact with their constituents, understand what's important to them. And most important time to be doing that is before you go back to D.C., to vote on key legislation, that's when you should be seeking out input from every corner of your district and trying to best understand what's important so that you can carry that forward to Washington, D.C. That's why you were hired. That's why you have yeah. this job. That's why you were elected.
1: So what are some other, I mean, health is one. And by the way, I have to commend you on your, your four flavors of health care around the world that you put it more, more succinctly than I've ever heard it.
2: Yeah, it makes a very complicated issue simple.
1: And it's nice hearing... It's nice hearing someone with a, a fundamental understanding of it because, you know, if you were to ask Rohrbacker or any Paul Ryan even probably is a guy who, who colors himself a wonk. And you clearly got your head around it. So, Thank you. Yeah, it, it's awesome. What other issues would you consider um, vitally important?
3: I think uh, when I go around and speak, the three big issues are health care, which we just covered. And the other two big areas are climate change and yeah. rights. And taking on that first one, climate change, for me, climate change encompasses everything uh, we want to talk about from the environment standpoint. So whether you want to talk about clean air or uh, clean oceans and so on, so on, all this is impacting climate change. And climate change, the reason it's so important is that climate change is an insidious Uh, uh, slowly moving issue that doesn't have the immediate impact that other issues do. Rising oceans at, you know, an eighth of an inch every 10 years may not sound like much. Um, But over time, the long-term impact is massive. And here's why the whole world where we have built our cities, where we have chosen to live, where we grow our food is all predicated on predictable weather patterns over a thousand years that's why we built these cities where we did that's why we grow exactly we know where it rains and, and and where the sun shines best to grow food and where it's most hospitable to live so if you mess with mother nature and change those historical weather patterns in a very short period of time you can make literally obsolete the fundamental basis of where we have chosen to live, where we have built our cities, and where we farm our food. The impact is beyond calculation. You can't put uh, a pencil and paper and come up with the calamity that this will have on people around the world. This isn't just about uh, coastal living. This is every place in the world where you live could be dramatically modified. So We have to address this now because if we leave this with our children and our grandchildren, it may be an issue that can't be solved if we don't start now.
1: Well, we are kind of at that point of no return where unless we start dealing with it in an aggressive manner, it's really going to show its face to be the existential crisis that it already is. But we just don't know it yet. And the problem is, sorry, Brittany, the problem is that we're having Congress— because this is the way our system is, where they pass the laws, we have a Congress, and I think it's just kind of the nature of politics where they they kick the can down the road, whether it be you know uh, borrowing from Social Security and all the different things and the problems that get talked about all the time. But this is not a problem that we can deal with by kicking it down the road. We have to deal with it right now before it's too late. So,
3: and, and, and there's a clear difference between me and Dana Rohrbacher on this. Dana Rohrbacher is actually uh, disagrees with 97% of the accredited scientists in the world that climate yeah. change is caused by mankind. And uh, he has, as you mentioned earlier, you can go on YouTube and see all sorts of crazy things he has said. <laughs> uh, he has plenty of crazy things he has said regarding climate change. And When I travel around the 48th District, one thing I find in common, regardless of whether they are Republicans, Democrats or independents, nobody wants to see offshore drilling. Everybody believes in climate change and wants to see it addressed and wants to maintain a clean environment. They want to move towards clean tech and clean energy. Yet here we have a congressman who is focused on fossil fuels, who supports offshore drilling and who completely discounts and disagrees with 97% of the accredited scientists in the world. This is crazy.
1: Well, it is. Listen, I posted on the Facebook page today an article about Kid Rock running for Senate or some goddamn thing. And uh, that movie Idiocracy, we we are officially in phase two of Idiocracy. And there's time to turn this around. And part of that is getting rid of Dana Rohrabacher and this disrespect of science and research and data it's it's time
2: well that's why it's important to have people who are forward thinking right even though it's a slow moving process that doesn't mean that it's uh not going to do damage that it's not bad right um so rather than saying oh we don't need to worry about that because it's moving very slowly right we need to get ahead of it
3: yeah well go ahead. and, and we actually have this really cool opportunity because with every crisis and challenge there is opportunity And the opportunity lies with those who help solve the problem and address climate change. Here we are in Southern California, uh, ideally the greatest place in the world to live. You know, beautiful, uh, fantastic universities, fantastic shoreline, fantastic environment, uh, really, really smart people. Why can't we make Southern California the hallmark of the world in solving clean tech, clean energy issues and creating the businesses and the jobs that we want to see in this area. China has dedicated $360 billion to creating those jobs of the future for clean tech, clean energy. We need to be doing that here, not dismantling the EPA, not pulling out of the Paris Climate Accord, which is exactly what Rohrbacher wanted, but just the opposite, 180 degrees the other way is exactly what we should be doing, is fighting hard to be the leader in solving these problems would you expect anything different of Rohrbacher to want to pull out of the, I mean, listen,
1: a a guy who thinks we need to, to give aid and comfort to ISIS in their fight against the Shias in some weird vision of a, of a Muslim religious war. I mean,
3: come on, Harley,
1: you gotta (laughs) beat this guy.
3: (laughs) Yeah, we, we plan on doing that. and, The interesting thing is that Orange County has historically been Republican, and uh, Hillary did carry uh, Orange County in 2016, barely by 1.7%. Yeah, Still progress, though. Yeah, so that's the good news. Um, I take that with a grain of salt, because I think, obviously, a lot of people weren't very supportive of Trump either. But the demographics show that there are more and more people registering to be uh, Democratic, just like you and me, Jesse, um, as well as more NPPs and Republican registrations are going down. But what's really important for us to win this election, as much as I hate saying this, but it is about raising money. And the reason that's important is twofold. Uh, one, Dana Rohrabacher's been there 30 years, so people know his name. So when they get the ballot, they recognize the name. They may not know about him, but they, there's that name recognition. So we've got to do a good job of getting my name out there. Second, and equally important, too many people in the, that are registered Republicans and maybe to some degree NPPs or independents pull the proverbial lever for an R, or the Republican without knowing where he stands on the issues. So the second reason we need to raise money is to educate everybody in this district who's going to vote where he really stands on the issues, because if they know where he really stands on the issues against uh, supporting women and taking away their rights against the environment and, and so on and so on, we have to educate them so they can make an informed decision.
1: Well, it's, his his voting record you know speaking of his record what he stands for has taken a weird jerk to the right to align itself with Trump since he was elected uh, 538 did a study based on all of the, his votes and what what his expected vote would be based on his past performance his past record and it's off by their they're predicted like 35% like be, every single vote because he is even more aggressive to align himself with this disaster of a president.
3: Oh, you're absolutely right. He's actually sold out. Yeah, uh, he came in as a libertarian, and you know, libertarian is typically going to be fiscally conservative yet socially progressive. And somewhere along the way, he just dumped being socially progressive and has become alt right, standing shoulder to shoulder with Trump and pushing Trump's agenda forward.
1: Well, even when he's in committee, bringing Trump up, maybe this is what Trump wants. Listen, your job is not to be a lackey for the president of the United States. You're a co-equal member of this government, not subservient.
2: Well, and five thirty-eight has given him a Trump score. Yeah, and that's the uh, amount of time that he votes in line with Trump's position, and it's ninety-four point six percent.
1: Yeah, but there's other that other three percent.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah, that's actually, that's part of the problem with today's government and part of the reason I'm running. I am fed up with uh, party first, country second politics in the United States. We have a situation where both parties vote party lines without thinking for themselves. And I actually go back, there was two statistics, one in 1978 and one in 1982, but let's just call it 1980 for sake of simplicity. If you look at the Senate in 1980 and you look at the most liberal conservative the most liberal republican and the most conservative democrat you would have found approximately 60 senators falling within that gap right yeah and that's yeah. what that's what we call moderates yeah today and for four years straight there's not one senator that has fallen in that gap that's 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 really not the direction this country's ever going to get anything done if right. everybody is so polarized and the second interesting statistic from that same time frame was if you looked at these 100 senators and looked at how they voted and going exactly with what you just talked about, uh, they voted with their party also approximately 60% of the time. So 40% of the time, they're bucking the party. Mm-hmm. Today, it's almost 95% they're voting with their party. So it's it's whatever the party leadership, the extreme party leadership, right. tells you to do, that's what you're doing. We can't have that, folks. This country was built on people using common sense for common ground reaching across the aisle and putting the country first
1: i i think you are good for orange county specifically look politics is local and we we need someone who can beat dana who can beat dana <laughs> that's the, and you are i think uniquely suited as a democrat to do so some would say and i i know you've you've gotten a little bit of shit here and there about the fact that you are recently or however recently but you know in the last several years become a democrat that you've kind of abandoned the republican ideology and i'm not going to fault you for that because it's okay to change your mind when new evidence presents itself
2: yeah that's the other part of this that's a problem which people are not allowed to change their mind when actually it's good right well
1: right absolutely and i would i would i want to put words in your mouth and i'll give you a chance to put your own words in your mouth but It's the same thing with like Ben Nighthorse Campbell, who was a senator from Colorado back in when I worked on the Hill and he was a Democrat and then became a Republican. He said the Democratic Party left me. I feel the same way about the Republican Party. This the thing that we're seeing right now is the party of Donald Trump, the party of collusion, the party of obstruction, the party of not being able to get anything done when you have the majority in two branches of our government. This isn't the Republican Party of my childhood, certainly. And, you know, they did leave, they've shifted. I didn't shift.
3: You're absolutely right. And and we do have to have the ability to change not just our uh, political affiliations, but where we stand on issues. That's a whole idea of what we call progress. Yes. Right. And and, you know, I jokingly when I when I speak around the district uh, because I get asked about my past political affiliation and I and I always share with them, you know, political affiliation is is much like religion. It's given to you at birth. Right. When you are born (laughs) into a Republican family and raised by two Republicans good chance you're going to be a Republican when you're 18 years old. And that's exactly what the case was for me. But as time went by, uh, whether it was the Republican party going in a different direction under Karl Rove or, uh, a combination of understanding, uh, what I needed to understand for, uh, where the direction of the country needed to go. I moved to independent 18 years ago. Yeah. And, um, and, and, uh, I recently converted to Democrat to run for this office. Um, and because of that, I like most actually just about everybody I talk to across the district, whether they're Republican, independent or Democrat, they are all socially progressive. They all support women's rights. They all want to see Planned Parenthood, not just funded, but increased funding for it. Yeah, uh, sure. know, they, they, they believe in basic rights across the board. They believe in health care for all. So where the difference becomes is simply this idea that you must follow your party regardless of where you yeah. believe in so your dumb. heart. And it is. You, we've got to get people back to, uh, you know, not just pulling, as I mentioned earlier, that proverbial lever for R or D, just because that's what you signed up for. Do what your forefathers wanted you to do. Research candidates, research issues, and make an informed decision as to what makes sense for you.
1: Yeah, I, I think... it. You're you're speaking my language. It makes me excited. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, After we turn off the mics, I'll get some information about me actually doing something for your campaign. Um, It is more important now than ever, especially with the polarization that we see. But like I said, I think you're uniquely suited here for this district because Orange County is conservative and you can't have Bernie Sanders couldn't come in here. You know, this 72 year old socialist Democratic juggernaut but he's not going to do well in Orange County against in a congressional race against a guy like Dana Warbacker. We need somebody who can appeal to the voter base here. Right. And yeah, you're a big handsome you know candidate. You're not Dana
3: Warbacker. Well, th- <laughs> <laughs> th- thank you. And, and and I think one of the key things is important in recognizing the demographics of Orange County, and and frankly, I think this applies to again most people across the United States. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I tell people that I'm uh, you know socially progressive, uh, but a fiscally conservative, responsible individual, and I really bring that around one key thing, and that is we have nineteen and a half trillion dollars in accumulated deficit. It's untenable, right? And and we continue to add somewhere close to another half trillion dollars every year, and. Look, you don't have to have balanced budgets, but you certainly have to have surpluses, and you have to bring the accumulated deficit down. Because if you don't, all you are doing is saddling your kids, your grandkids, and your great-grandkids with your spending habits today. And frankly, it's going to put them underwater at some point, and you can't do that.
1: Look, I just recently mentioned this on the show, uh, when we had a Mr. Ivy League educated lawyer. Yeah. And... uh, there is something to be said for a – and the word is – it's it's misused now and misattributed to something bad. But some level of conservatism in spending. Um, Congress – and when you get in there, I will use this microphone if you start getting out of line. We need to be good stewards of the people's money. And Congress has a long track record, you know, Every Republican who's been in, including Ronald Reagan, who I still have fond feelings of, Mm -hmm. did the wrong thing relative to spending, put us farther and farther in debt. Now, people talk about the the, the damage that Obama did uh, and the the, the, the budget nightmare, the debt nightmare, but it was only predicated on the the disastrous economic situation that George W. Bush put us in or we ended up in under his, his leadership. And George W. Bush didn't do any better with the debt either. I mean, it's, it's a mounting problem that has to be dealt with. Every six months or so, we're having this debt ceiling vote. And they're just, we need a, we need a, a permanent
3: solution or at least a mindset to, to start dealing with it. Right. Yeah, we're spending $200 billion roughly annually on interest payments on the debt. Folks, that's a lot of money. That's that just servicing do, the debt. That's just servicing the debt. That's not bringing the debt down. That's just servicing the debt. And I want to put that in perspective. You know, right now, Trump is pushing and the, uh, and the Republicans are pushing for cuts in Medicaid and Medicare that approximately $880 800? billion yeah, right. dollars over 10 years. Yeah. Over 10 years. Yet somehow we just gloss over the fact that we're spending $200 billion a year in interest payments. Like, that's Okay. Folks, if we didn't have nineteen and a half trillion dollars in a deficit, we'd have two hundred billion dollars more to spend That's on right. programs for the poor, the needy, the elderly, and so
0: on.
1: But listen, it, I, I do I, again. You're 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 singing my song. Jesse's uh,
2: getting excited.
1: I am excited. I'm excited guy. <laughs> I'm excitable guy. Yes. I appreciate that you keep bringing it back to helping the poor, helping people in need, because oftentimes. A guy like Dana Rohrabacher, it's mm-hmm. hard not to keep bringing him up. Mm-hmm. But he's more concerned. He doesn't. This is my my perception of of him. He has it in his mind that, oh, poor ExxonMobil, We need to we need to really work hard to make sure things are easier for them. That's not his responsibility. He should be having those feelings of empathy and concern for the less fortunate who really do need the hand the help up.
2: Yeah, the priorities are askew,
1: <laughs> to say the least. No,
3: oh, absolutely agree. <laughs> absolutely agree. You, you mean you're not taking his side? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> he,
1: he's uh, w- w- we're happy to have you here.
3: Well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad to be here. And, and this has been a great dialogue. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I hope your listeners really enjoy uh, what they're hearing and are learning a few facts. And uh, if they like what they hear, if I'm allowed to make a plug, yeah, I, would, course, that's why yeah. I, I would love for them to go to harleyforcongress.com, H A R L E Y F O R Congress.com. congress.com. Uh, get engaged, get involved, sign up, volunteer, follow me on Twitter. And most importantly, if you're so inclined, we'd love to have a contribution because uh, uh, we all have to be the change we want to see and it's all for the greater good so please join us
1: well you know running for congress isn't a charitable endeavor it's not free meaning that i mean you you, you have to raise money that's just the way it is that's where systems set up uh i would encourage everybody to go to the website harley for congress though he said yep harley for congress you're on twitter just harley ruda yep and then what was the other thing um harley for congress on facebook too i think that's right that's right so we will put all that information in the show notes Leave us with something good, something else. What, what, give us a, a parting shot.
3: <laughs> well, I think the key thing we've got to keep in mind is that 2018 is only about 16 months away. Yeah. And uh, on one hand, I say only, but that does seem like a long time. Folks, you've got to stay engaged in the political process. Now, more than ever, regardless of your political view, I would encourage everyone out there listening and beyond Get engaged. Get informed. Do not watch the news of your choice that only supports your viewpoint. Reach out. Learn other viewpoints. Listen to other folks. Find the common ground. Find the moderate. Find how to work with your fellow citizens to advance this country forward. We cannot continue to be in two camps throwing uh, darts and rocks and, and shots at each other if we want to move our country forward, not just for ourselves, but for our children and our grandchildren.
1: No better parting words than that. So, again, singing my song. All right. Thanks for coming in. We appreciate it.
3: Thanks for having me. Time I appreciate is it. Time
1: valuable, and uh, we hope to expand your message to a larger audience. So. Thank you. All right, everybody. Listen, if you would like to support the show, we appreciate you listening. And uh, twice a week, and the bonus content, if you'd like to support the show, by another means, you go to dollarmore.com on the left-hand side of the page. There's a link that says support the show. There you will find a link to Patreon and PayPal. You can even buy crap on Amazon. Every little bit goes a long way and we appreciate it very much. Until next time, for Brittany Page, Harley Ruda, I am Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It. Big, handsome you know, candidate. You're not Dana
3: Warbacker. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.